Ancient philosophers were warriors of the mind. Modern philosophers are librarians of the mind. They organize and catalog, but they don't actually live the stuff. This podcast episode is brought to you by Ample. Ample is a great new nutritional product. It's a 400 or a 600 calorie complete meal in a bottle made from superior real food. And the real food ingredients are designed for optimal performance nutrition. So each each one will have over 25 grams of protein, fiber, pre and probiotics for digestive health, a very low amount of sugar, and your full makeup of greens and healthy fats coming from coconut and macadamia nuts. And it's even got chia seeds, and it gives it a, kind of a nutty flavor, which I re- really enjoy. It's non-GMO, has no artificial crap, no gluten, no soy, no nothing. So they recently launched, so this is a new product just on the market. I just received my first shipment, although I've been testing it now for six months, and I am a big fan of this product. So check it out. They launched after becoming the most funded Indiegogo campaign of all time. And since uh, these folks know how much I love the product, they've offered to give a special bonus to you. It's the only offer out there, at least at this time. So if you go to amplemeal.com, type in the code UNBEATABLE, and you're going to get a two-meal bonus pack on any of your uh, purchases there. Okay, so check it out. You won't be disappointed for busy folks who are always on the go, who want to make sure you get a complete nutritional workup. Then this is a revolutionary product. I'm super stoked for it. So go check it out, amplemeal.com. And use the code UNBEATABLE. hoo Hey folks, welcome back. This is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. I'm so stoked to have you here today listening wherever you are in your cars or at home or jogging on the beach. Uh, If you are jogging on the beach, then good for you. What a nice thing to be able to do. (laughs) Maybe you're in the mountains or in the cities, but it doesn't matter. At least you're jogging. So um, hey, before I get going with Brian Johnson, who is a really, really neat guy, going to be a fantastic program today. Let me remind you to please rate the podcast because that's how people find us on iTunes and whatnot. And I'm recording this right around the holidays. It won't be played around the holidays, but um, just let me say I'm thinking about you and uh, have a wonderful holiday. And if you're listening to this in January or February, just hope you had a good holiday. (laughs) It's awkward, right? You never know when these things are going to play. All right, Brian. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, My guest today is Brian Johnson. Uh, who's an entrepreneur and a philosopher and someone who's really, really passionate about uh, the types of things we do at Unbeatable Mind. Uh, He's the founder of a a company called E-Teams, which I believe was sold to a San Diego company. And I was just trying to remember the name of it. It was escaping. Exactly. Active.com. Active. Yeah. And I met the founders of Active. And then I remember remember when E-Teams was rolled up or purchased by them. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, you, um, Southern California guy, you went to UCLA, studied philosophy and business. How cool is that? Philosophy is one of my favorite subjects. You've got a book out called Philosopher's Notes on Optimal Living, Creating an Authentically Awesome Life and Other Such Goodness. <laughs> That's an <laughs> awesome subtitle. So uh, all sorts of cool things. You know, you've got a program now called Optimal Living at Optimize.me. So uh, you've done a lot of neat things. And I have a sense, Brian, you're just getting warmed up. Right. Yeah, I appreciate that. And first, just thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. As you know, just a big fan of your work, um, Beatable Mind, Way the Seal, huge inspirations for me. And I'm um, just thrilled to be chatting. And yeah, this is 
I feel like it's all been warm up for now, you know, yeah. just hitting my stride and spent half my time in philosopher's mode, half my time in CEO mode, and now just ready to really combine the two and, and do what I'm here to do. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we met when um, I stumbled across a philosopher's note on Unbeatable Mind, right? And I reached out to yep. you and said, how cool is that? And I love the concept. I'd actually been, you know, like a lot of busy executives. This is why you started it. I'm like, gosh, you know, I, I, there's so many books that I want to read. And I don't have really the time to listen to audiobooks, unfortunately, because I'm a big fan of audiobooks and I'm a big fan of podcasts. But the way I've structured my life, I just don't have a ton of time to do that kind of stuff. So I enrolled or I'm not sure what I did. I can't remember if it was a subscription or a package where I bought 100 of your notes and they Hmm. were really easy to um, digest. And so what you've done is reviewed some of the best books uh, out there that that have some you think are going to impact and then you condense them into like a four or five page what you called philosopher notes right yeah exactly i mean same problem that i had when i was in, in when i am in entrepreneur mode it's tough to find the time to read so the basic idea with that was philosopher's notes was look i'll pull out those sections that you asterisk and underline and fold right. the page over right. on the big ideas i call them they can change your life. And then throw five to 10 of them together in a six-page PDF, record it as a 20-minute MP3, and here you go. Here are some ideas that can really impact you. And I'll connect them to other authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and more wisdom in less time is the tagline that we use to okay. help people out. Okay. More wisdom in less time. That's kind of like a, a contrary to what, you know, how wisdom is developed. <laughs> You know what I mean? It takes time yes, to develop yes, wisdom. But, so I wonder, I wonder, you know, if this is the thing that just popped in my head, so you, you can push back on it. If by just hitting, you know, like skimming the surface that we're doing ourselves an injustice, you know, have you had any thoughts on that? You know, because to me, like the, some of my biggest insights were when I went really deep with a single book or really deep with a topic and and when I skim the top, you know, it's interesting, but I, I tend to not give it the time to really let it sink in. You know? Yeah, you, so many things we can talk about there from skimming books. I don't skim books. When people say they read, you know, a book or whatever a day. OK, yeah. like, are you really reading that book? Because right. there's, there's a reading and there's a flipping through a book and skimming it. So I'm all about going deep. And then for me, when I say more wisdom, less time, it's, it's kind of to your point, you need to go deep. And I think what we both unquestionably agree on is it's not about the theory. It's not about the ideas. It's about the practice and it's about the application. Right. Right. So for me, it's about consistently hitting these ideas from different angles. You say it differently than, you know, a different teacher is going to say the same basic idea. So what I want to do is give our audience, again, different vantage points on the same ideas, but then really challenge them to go deep by applying it in their lives mm-hmm. and then introduce them to titles they may not otherwise be familiar with yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then encourage them, go deep into this one if it's resonating. Obviously, everyone's not going to have the time to read. I don't even have the time to read today that I did a month ago before I really changed my life a fair amount. I was a hermit. It's all I did was read and write and think. (laughs) Now, you know, I'm stepping back out and I need this stuff. So we actually have a team of writers that are going to create something called optimized notes. They're going to be very similar to philosopher's notes, but by written by a group of great writers and editors, and I'm going to be the number one consumer. And the intention that we have with that is help people apply these ideas, introduce them to great teachers, great ideas, and challenge them to live in integrity with their highest values. Nice. Okay. So that sounds like um, we have something to talk about, about what's next in the next phase of, of uh, Brian Johnson's kind of 
business and philosophy uh, life. But let's go back more toward kind of the beginning. Like, you know, who were you when you were younger and how did you like get interested in philosophy and what were some of your you know early influences that kind of helped hmm. craft who you are as a person? Yeah, you and I have some parallels with the uh, big six, I think it was, when I was going through it, accounting. Oh, no um, kidding. This, All right. Yeah, yeah. The super quick biographical sketches, youngest of five, super conservative Catholic, blue-collar family, first-generation college student, you know, super smart, skinny little kid, uh, went to UCLA and thought I'd get a PhD in psychology, realized that wasn't quite it for me, wound up getting swept up in Arthur Anderson's kind of recruiting net. And I, I interned in audit and tax. Then I worked in financial planning and business consulting. I literally think I hold the record for most service lines in less yeah. than a year. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I, I went into audit and then I went into something called special services, which was a division of their consulting uh, at Arthur Anderson. Exactly. Yeah. So, so special that was services pre, pre, you know, kind of was a, um, a harbinger of my special forces career. <laughs> That's awesome. Except in accounting. That's yeah, that's cool. Wait, so um, you were you had a PhD in psychology and then got yeah, hired by uh, I, I thought about doing it. So, you know, when I was getting my undergrad, I did I actually did psychology and business. Okay. And I, I, I thought about getting my PhD and, and was very seriously kind of moving that direction, but realized I'd I'd frankly kind of go nuts if I was in a I got it. you know, another six year program. So I left and I joined Arthur Anderson. And I knew before I even started that that wasn't where I wanted to be long term. Mm -hmm. I figured law school would be my escape valve and um, studied for the LSAT, wound up going to Bolt up at Berkeley mm -hmm. um, briefly, knew I didn't want to be there, frankly. That was just kind of my way out. And then I, I kind of blew up a lot of my life. I ended a relationship of five years and dropped out of law school in the same basically 24-hour period of time. Had no idea what I wanted to do other than... <laughs> burn my resume and quit thinking about that for a moment and work with kids to coach a little league baseball team. That's all I wanted to do. Give back to the community, step back, see what I wanted to do. Long story, a little shorter. So you were um, like in the mid, mid twenties at this stage. This is 23. 23 so okay. I'm 23 and, you know, moved back in with, with mom to her great delight, you know, back sure. in the day. And I coached this little league baseball team. And out of that came my first business. I had this vision that, you know, in a matter of time, every, this is 1998, every single team and league in the world is going to be online mm -hmm. using the web for everything, schedules and standings and pictures, grandma and grandpa could check out, that sort of thing. And no one was doing anything. On Yahoo, there were literally a few dozen websites. Yahoo groups, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, we created that. One of the first content management systems that a team mom could use to create a site. We won the Anderson School at, at um, UCLA's business plan competition, raised $5 million, Hired a guy who wound up winning The Apprentice. The CEO of Adidas replaced me as the CEO. And kind of that traditional yeah. dot-com story. Then the market collapsed, and we wound up bringing in a bank and got two offers, one from active.com, another from another business, went with active and integrated there. But that was kind of the, the prelude. Was there any upside in that, just out of curiosity, or was it kind of like a fire sale? And you know, that was a good resume builder and move on. Y yes, and so I call that my five million dollar MBA. Right. 
And our investors wound up, I think they got like a two or three X. It took them 10 years, you know, okay, yeah. but we were, we, we won, you know, it was a modest win, but a lot of businesses there wound up as a zero. So we were, we were, right. you know, happy about that. And the business endures. It's profitable. It serves 3 million teams around the world. Little League Baseball used our technology. Awesome. Um, and more importantly, you know, and I got enough to take a few years off and mm-hmm. figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up, you know. Did, the, uh, did Active keep the brand or, or did it just get absorbed in that? They did. Oh, cool. I, you know, it's, it's funny because I actually wanted them to absorb it. Mm-hmm. I thought that the Active brand was the long-term brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wound up keeping E-Teams and mm-hmm. um, it's still there. E-Teams.com. Oh, cool. right yeah. Well, that's always gratifying to see a business that you started kind of endure and have a life. Nice. Yeah. And then obviously capitalize the lessons and right. uh, bring that to the next venture, right? Yeah. So what came after that? You stayed in entrepreneurship, obviously, because that's a big part of your life now. But what, what other businesses have, were you involved in after E-Teams? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I took several years off and I just read and I wrote and I traveled a bit and became a philosopher, a lover of wisdom. Mm. And really, over the last 20 years, I've spent half the time in CEO, founder CEO mode and the other half in philosopher mode. Uh, but basically, I ran out of money and I was ready to create, create again <laughs> and uh, <laughs> created my second yeah, business. That's awesome. You need like a benefactor, you know, like in the old days. <laughs> exactly. Go around the so, world and think. It's called, it's called a profitable business. I now have one. It's right. good. But uh, I, have, I have thousands of benefactors and thank you to all of you who chip in 10 bucks a month to make right. it possible. Exactly. But anyway, I, I did that for a few years and then I started my second business, which was basically when I was raising money for that, I had... Um, whatever magazine opened, Business Week or something. And it was part uh, MySpace, which was huge at the time. Murdoch had just purchased MySpace. And part people who wanted to change the world. So the green movement was obviously really exploding. This is early 2000s. We raised a few million dollars for that and um, ran that. A lot of fun, and then wound up selling that to a company called Gaim, uh, which is a you know big big company. And yeah. the I know Gaim from all the videos that they produced on. You know they were kind of an early proponent to promote you know yoga and and um, exactly. tai chi and qigong in video format. Exactly, yeah, that's cool. So you sold your business to Gaim. Yeah, and then same thing. I had enough to take some time off, and I wound up this time going full in to philosopher's mode. Gave myself a PhD. Uh, Ken, I've looked at different programs, nothing met what I wanted to do. So decided to just take my own time integrating old school philosophy, modern day positive psychology, mm-hmm. business, nutrition, all the things that we're so passionate mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. the things I think you need to know about to optimize your life in the 21st century mm-hmm. and created philosopher's notes as a master's for that, wrote the book as a PhD, and then got back into uh, to creating what we're now operating so the are you moving away from the philosopher's note brand to into the optimize.net brand or optimize.me yeah so um optimize.me is our is our brand now our business is optimize enterprises we're a public benefit corporation which we're really proud of that's cool and yeah so philosopher's notes will still be a very important part of what we do but just one facet of it Mm -hmm. and then we'll have the optimized notes my background as we've already discussed a little bit is the social side Mm -hmm. so a big thing we're doing in q1 is launching basically a social platform for people who want to optimize their lives Mm -hmm. so the idea there is facebook pinterest twitter instagram they're all awesome but wouldn't it be cool if there's a place exclusively about optimizing your life that's what we're building so we're really excited about that um, and then fold that in with the wisdom. And we think that's the way to go about fulfilling our purpose of helping people optimize their lives so we can truly change the world together. Mm-hmm. This podcast episode is brought to you by Organifi. 
Now we all know that green juice is good for us, but juicing is a pain. It costs a fortune and it's super time consuming. At least that's my story. Uh, I don't juice. So that's why I opt for Organifi green juice as an alternative because it's super easy, super tasty. It's an organic superfood green juice powder. Just add it to your water and stir it up. It dissolves almost immediately. Drink it and it will help sustain your energy throughout the day. It'll reduce stress over time. And best part is it really tastes good. So check it out. To get your micronutrients from a superfood green juice, use Organifi. I think stuff is great. Go to Organifi.com and these guys are super generous. I know the founder and they have offered a 20% discount to you on your order. So go to Organifi.com, use the code UNBEATABLE at checkout and get 20% off your order. And uh, that link is also listed below in the show notes to this episode. Organifi.com. Hoo-yah. So let's talk about philosophy. First, your personal philosophy. How would you characterize your personal ethos? Uh, if I had to summarize my personal ethos in one word, mm. it would be the Greek word arete. Mm. So arete directly translates as virtue or excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the, the kind of unpacking that a bit, basically striving to do your best and express the highest version of yourself moment to moment to moment. And this idea that the Greeks said that if you want eudaimonia, not just the hedonic sense of pleasure, but a true sense of flourishing, mm-hmm. you need to express the highest within yourself. They call that arte. Mm-hmm. When you have arte, you have a sense of deep joy and flourishing in the true sense of happiness. And I like to say there's a gap that exists when you're capable of doing this. And I'm showing Mark a, the hand and then a lower hand. And if you're only actually doing this, there's a gap. And that's where regret, anxiety, disillusionment, depression exists. And it's your 20X. It's what are you really capable of? And in this moment, are you showing up? And it's not a theoretical thing. It's this moment. You have an opportunity to fully engage or not. So that's my approach, you know, and, and integrating, again, ancient wisdom, modern science, common sense, virtue, mastery, and fun is how I like to summarize mm-hmm. uh, what I'm all about. And who are some of the biggest, um, like you've read probably most major philosophers and and who, uh, either what individual or what genre, it's probably not the right word, of philosophers has influenced you the most? I think Mark Devine's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's got it. I don't know anything about uh, him. Uh, he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> no, look, I love your style because you integrate, you know, I'm a big fan of Stoicism and, and Aurelius and Seneca and Epictetus and just that. You know, which which is of course the core of, of modern cognitive Western, behavioral therapy right. and and what we what really works from a scientific perspective. So that that's a real deep part of my my practice in my work. Um, of course, that wisdom is echoed throughout all the ancient traditions, right. the Bhagavad Gita, the Dhammapada, etc. Um, and then I really love connecting that with modern science. Mm-hmm. So I like ancient wisdom, of course, and anything that preserves that long has something worth paying a lot of attention to. But then when we can empirically validate mm-hmm. the fact that living with virtue is the cornerstone of happiness, mm-hmm. well, that's amazing. And we can literally quantitatively, empirically analyze that. And so I like to connect those two. So Sonia Lubomirsky's is someone I, I really love. I just fell in love with Barbara Fredrickson. I loved her positivity, but her love 2.0 is probably the most transformative book I've ever read. 
just the science of love in a moment to moment basis. Mm -hmm. You know, we can go through a long list of great people, but that's the basic kind of bookends, if you will, for me of what inspires me. And, you know, I want to come back to science in a bit because I think, you know, for, for you and I and what it means to be human, there's, you know, real existential question about what it means to be human facing us in the next 30 years, right? So I want to come back to that. But before we hit that up from a philosophical perspective, not a possibility perspective, what about um, mentors? You know, so it's one thing to have a teacher that you're inspired because his words have, you know, survived the test of time. And it's another thing to learn something experientially. And then it's yet another to learn something from another person's example. So mm. who have been your mentors where, you know, the presence of that individual has changed you mm. for the positive? Yeah, awesome question. Um, the first guy that comes to mind, I've been blessed to have a number of them who play different roles, but the first guy that comes to mind in this context is John Mackey, the CEO mm. of Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah I know so, John. I've met him a few times. Yeah, just, I, I first, I met John virtually when I read his debate with Milton Friedman. Mm. I don't know if you've seen his debate in Reason Magazine, but it's worth reading. He's a big, you know, if you know John, you know he's a big free market libertarian, mm-hmm. um, huge fan of, of Friedman and, and von Mises and all these guys. But he debated Friedman in Reason, Reason Magazine, and he basically was debating Friedman on the idea that love is the secret sauce to a successful business. Whereas Friedman would say, look, your only stakeholder that matters is your investor group, mm-hmm. period. Anything else is violation yeah. of your fiduciary responsibility right. to that stakeholder. So Friedman has Ma- a transactional view of... Uh, economics. Yeah. Yeah. And Mackey's saying, look, we need to transcend and include that. Of course, the investor needs to do well. We need profits to thrive. And I am committed to optimizing each of my stakeholders, Mm -hmm. society, my partners, the investors, customers and employees. He has this Mm -hmm. spice model. Anyway, I read his debate and I literally was almost weeping because it was the first example I had seen of. And I had so much ambivalence about how to use how to integrate my business and my spirituality, my Mm -hmm. my philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. And my heart. And so I read this and, and the comments were amazing of these people whose kids were going to college on their, their investment in Whole Foods, you know, how much they believed in him and, and his, his commitment to love and business. And then fast forward, I had an opportunity not too long after that to meet John. We hit it off. He wound up becoming a friend and mentor and investor in our last business and, and just a, a really powerful model for me of what business can do on scale, right. driven by virtue and driven by love. So he's, he calls that conscious capitalism, which is a nice, you know, kind of framework for that. And then yeah. he talks about the, I think the quadruple bottom line, I think you referenced five, but the quadruple bottom line would be, you know, to make sure that you're, you are profitable, right? So your investors and shareholders, you know, have their return, but also you're, um, you're transformative for your staff and the entire supply chain, right? Yep. As well as um, supportive for the environment and, yep. the, and the community at large. And that could, you could extend that to global community for, for a company like Whole Foods. And there's probably some stakeholders in there that I'm missing, but everyone must win. So it's a very much of an integrated point of view, not, exactly. a, not a linear, you know, extract, you know, manufacture, discard and, you know, rinse, repeat kind of point of view, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. He has cool. a declaration of interdependence. Oh, is that right? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. So who else? Uh, yeah. I think John's a great one. I like him a lot. Who else yeah. And then a new... Uh, a newer, I mean, now it's it's several years old, but um, a friend and mentor and investor of ours 
who was, you know, offered some just catalytic support. As I said, I'm kind of coming out of a hermit mode mm-hmm. over the last few years. I've just been reading and writing and deliberately doing that. And an opportunity came up. You know, the elections kind of shook me up, just kind of made me really step back and look at, for me, it was a call to leadership, independent of politics. You know, my joke is, no matter your politics, no one is sitting around saying, wow, we just had an opportunity to select from two of the most noble, virtues-based leaders of our era, you know? You didn't? Yeah, right? <laughs> so, so for me, like, that was just a call to leadership and just checking in on, like, who am I? What am I here to do? Uh, long story short, again, a theme for me is community mm-hmm. in what we're doing with our business. We've done a lot on wisdom, and now we want to do on the community. For us, it's inside out via wisdom and outside in via community. Okay. So I figured we'd get a small footprint in the small town we live in, in Ojai. Yeah, mm-hmm. I planned on doing this, but figured it was longer term. Again, long story short, wound up finding out that there's a church for sale mm-hmm. here in Ojai on five acres, 28,000 square feet, 1,000-person sanctuary. Wow. A lot. And... Uh, Things moved really quickly, and it became an opportunity that that really was was fresh and present. So your question was about a mentor. So I called up a handful of my you know dear friends and investors and supporters, and one of the first guys I called was um, a guy named Kirti, who's a high end attorney working with with you know elite founders and that sort of thing. Um, long story short, he just I get halfway through my story of what the opportunity was and how long I've been thinking about this. Fifteen years I've had this vision of doing something like this. And he literally stopped me halfway through and he says, you must do this. Here's my check. You go call a few of your friends and come back to me if they don't respond the way they should, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take care of you. And as long as I'm alive, this is going to be something that, that, that we're going to do in, in a phenomenal way. And it was just one of those hard opening, you know, moments of being seen and met and supported on every level, the energetic and the vision and the practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's been a beautiful thing. I now jokingly call him, he's Indian, so I call him my Swami guru. Yeah, and I, cool. And I learned the difference between those two. But anyway, that's, he's been a, a, a big uh, support and mentor and just opening me to the, the possibility of what we're here to do and just kind of walking into that dharma. That's fascinating. So I think it's also fascinating that you actually found a church, which you know, comes from the structural field of, of religion, and you're going to repurpose it for teaching philosophy. <laughs> And, you know, optimizing life. So you're going to use that as a platform for doing more, uh, for building community and doing some teaching of seminars and, and uh, probably film studio and that type of stuff. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to call it the Optimized Oasis in Ojai. I'm going to present live lectures live streamed to our audience, which obviously is sure. online. Um, we're already starting to invite some of my friends, truly world-class teachers uh, separate conversation for us. I'd be honored to even just have that conversation oh, yeah. about having your presence in our community um, and really integrating a mind, body, spirit. I'm into Spartan races these days and that's kind of my thing. So we're actually going to drop, it's on five acres. There's a whole acre not being used. We're going to drop an obstacle course training, Ben Greenfield, chatting with him, who's yeah. supported me in a number of ways to help us design that a true world-class facility leaning into kind of the ancient Plato Aristotelian, hey, uh, you know, we- you know we Mind need body to talk because I'm moving away from the facility actually for at least the next phase because I've I've had a facility for ten years now uh, and it's been an ep- the epicenter of of seal fit and unveil mind and what I found is it's it's gotten in the way of our operations you know because it's become so incredibly distracting and fun 
to always be chasing the next wad. And, you know, we have a ton of guests and a lot of people are listening are going, no, don't give it up. Well, the, the universe is telling us to give it up because the city has been coming down hard on us. And we have neighbors are complaining about, you know, guys walking down the street with kettlebells and they think it's dangerous at any rate. And our landlord basically isn't going to renew our lease. So there's a minor practical detail there, right? <laughs> Details, yeah. <laughs> so without, without owning it like you, uh, we're kind of like uh, stuck. So it's fascinating. Um, so maybe we'll just move up to Ojai and uh, co-locate at the, at the Let's do it. Optimize Let's do it. Oasis. <laughs> we'll have stuff uh, uh, out back. Uh, that is fantastic. Isn't interesting. Yeah, so my only caution there would be just to pay attention to how you structure things so that the facilities management doesn't bury your business. Yeah, because you know I've yeah. had one of our one of our clients, uh, you know, has been through tons of seal fit training and and is a coach in training. Uh, I'll tell this quick story. He used to run Mario Andretti's winery. And his job was to make and sell wine. But, you know, of course, Mario Andretti had the wine room and the, t you know, the tasting room and the wine club and the restaurant and all these things which were tangential as a facility. And 90% of Mike's time was spent on all that stuff, which didn't contribute any profit or revenue, but it was a lot of fun. Yep. Yep. And so he never had any time to make and sell wine. So when he launched his own business you know, as a wine a vintner, he... Um, he basically leased all his equipment and bought his wine, you know, his grapes from other uh, growers. And, and he's, you know, makes and sells far more wine than Andretti ever did. <laughs> and yep. he, he does it with like three people. So yep. I guess it goes back to how, how do we want to run our business and, uh, you know, employing the keep it simple method. I, I applaud you. It's neat to have a center of uh, operations where people can come and you can do the training. But mm -hmm. we need to be, um, you employ the KISS principle when you... We're gonna keep, keep keep it super simple and i'm just gonna give a shout out to my right hand guy who actually is in san diego i'm able to do what i do because he's just a ninja operating genius Boom. his name's evan shoemaker and just a brilliant guy so he keeps me out of i don't use email for example so i've met an email for a long time really? and my whole thing is systems um, i didn't use an iphone for the whole year i just got a new one two weeks ago and and now i'm back into it hmm. but my whole thing is systems and to your point what are we really going to do where's the value created right. waste no time on the tangential and ancillary stuff that creates no value for us we're blessed because you know our business makes money online so we don't need the offline facility really right. to do anything for us yet we'll run a workshop we'll run one workshop and cover the bills for the year yeah, you know totally and then everything else is kind of gravy for us and just keeping it super simple to your point but then also using it you know as a community base we're really proud to be where we are we want to create you know an icon a, a, a real landmark in ojai that people can be proud of and um, a world-class lecture series that impacts lives here you mm -hmm. know the people that live and, and breathe in this community while serving our virtual community and to your point keeping it super simple in the process nice yeah sounds like you got a handle on that i'm excited I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now. And it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum 
cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com, that's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R, that's UNBEATABLEMIND15R, to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one, you won't be disappointed with Qualia. So uh, we don't have much time left, but I want to come back to this idea of of what it means to be human in a world of accelerating scientific progress. You know, and and I'm assuming you and I are both going to be here in 30 years, right? When, you know, when artificial intelligence and human intelligence is, you know, theoretically able to merge and we're going to have like a mass consciousness right humans able to connect you know through neural networks with all other humans right and so there's so many ways and i don't want to spend too much time on this but there's so many ways that's going to change civilization that people just have no idea and to me frankly it's it scares me quite a bit because um i think it's precious to be human and i think humans have vast potential and i don't know why we're racing to um, change our humanity because we think we're not enough. You know what I mean? It's a really interesting idea. At any rate, I'm not sure if I have a question here, just more to get your perspective as a philosopher. You know, what do you think that's going to be like, you know, in, in 30 years when, when we start to merge or you see vast segments of our population merging with AI and changing what it means to be human? Because that's the, that's the essential philosopher's puzzle, right? What does it mean to be human? That's the question. What's the meaning of life? What does it mean to be human? I think therefore I am, or is it I am because I think, you know, and where are we going with technology? Again, so many ways we can kind of visit that and explore that and unpack that. For me, the cornerstone of being a philosopher is a love of wisdom. And for wisdom, for me, is a very practical knowledge of life. It's, it's, it's less about the speculation in the future per se and more about this moment. What's the right way to live right now? And more importantly, am I in integrity with that? And the true philosopher, I, I love the idea of the Stoic ideal, you know, where I forget the commentator, but he was saying that ancient philosophers were warriors of the mind. Modern philosophers are librarians of the mind. They organize and catalog, but they don't actually live the stuff. But you look at an Aurelius, you look at a Seneca, you look at an Epictetus, these guys were warriors. And those are the metaphors they use. You know, and then the same guy says that if Plato or Aristotle came back to today, they wouldn't want to meet a philosopher. They'd want to meet a world champion boxer who was master, mastered their body. And, and obviously, we'd want to see the same mastery in, in the spiritual mind, etc. But for me, it starts with that, the moment to moment to moment. And when I hear you pose that question, I think of my son four years old, Emerson. And as my wife and I look to cultivate his virtue and give him the context in which he can truly flourish 
and give his gifts and greatest service to the world, whatever those wind up being. You know, there's the mind-body optimization. So we're really passionate about the basic fundamentals. And again, when you talk about AI, it's still going to come down to the fundamentals. You're never going to get a pill or an injection or whatever that's going to change your basic uh, fundamentals that are, are optimized via everything that we all talk about, the nutrition, the movement, the sleep, the focusing of the mind. So, you know, he has had a total of about five minutes is the longest screen time he's ever had, for example. We've decided that his attention, his ability to put his mind where he wants, when he wants, for how long he wants, is the most valuable asset, and it is becoming increasingly more valuable and more rare. Therefore, that's our, I don't view our parenting competitively, but that's one of his edges and his assets that we're going to cultivate. So when I approach that vision of the next 30 years, I just feel, my short answer is I don't know, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that, but I do know that the individual who has mastery of themselves across the domains that we all see as fundamental is going to be the one who thrives. And they'll be able to take that technology and integrate it with virtue and love and do something good with it and not use it as a Band-Aid or an accelerator or some weird distortion of humanity, um, but as an amplification of you know, the beauty that's inherent within all of us. Well said. I really like that, that view and that vision. And it kind of syncs up with mine. And I've often said that Unbeatable Mind really is a, a, a way to take control of upgrading your own consciousness so that we can, you know, we can outpace technology yeah. and, and live yeah. a good life, uh, regardless yeah. of what's going on on the outside. Here's one other thought. Do you know Joshua Cooper Ramo in his work? No, I do not. Yeah. Okay. So you will love him. I don't know how I, one of our members told me to read his book called The Seventh Sense. He is the CEO or co-CEO of the Kissinger Institute strategy, right? He wrote a book called The Seventh Sense. And he basically says that the future is all about connection. It's all networks. And if you want to see who's going to win, you got to see who owns the networks. Um, and his, he has an idea of, of you have to be a gatekeeper. You have to be a hard gatekeeper and make sure you know what's coming in and what's going out. And uh, anyway, when you talk about humanity... That comes to mind. I think each of us as individuals need to be better gatekeepers of the information we allow into our lives. The constant drip of social media and news, et cetera, is, is toxic. Obviously, our limbic system can't handle it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so creating those hard gates, I think, is more important than ever for us as we evolve, such that we actually know who we are as we expand into all this unknowable potential, right? I love it. I think that's a great segue to uh, kind of move on. Um, we've been we've been at it for some time, so why don't we uh, let's let our listeners know where they can find you, what's up, what's next, you know, what's like, what's the what's the best way to engage with some of your work, Brian? Yeah, super simple. Optimize.me is um, the place that's that has everything we do. Um, you can sign up for our membership. It's ten bucks a month. Our whole thing is give the best to the most for the least. And really astonish people with the amount of value they get in our program. Um, and we also have an app. Once you sign up, well, you can go to the app, optimize.me slash app. We've got a podcast called Optimize. We've had Mark on it a couple of times. We're going to do it, or once we're going to do it again. Um, YouTube, all that stuff. But optimize.me is the simplest way. Awesome, Brian. Super cool conversation. Uh, love what you're doing. You're awesome. Um, Ojai is right up the road. I, I've actually only driven through it, but I've been to Santa Barbara a few times. But I, I can't wait to get to Ojai. I can't wait to see Optimize Oasis. I'm serious about that. And, and I'm in, you know, in terms of whatever you want me to do, I'm in. And so we're, right on. We're, we're Honored. Support you. Couldn't be more excited. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. All right, bro. 
Thanks, All right. man. All right, folks, you heard it. Brian Johnson, I highly encourage you to check out optimize.me and check out his book, uh, Philosopher Notes, and also just his Philosopher Notes because they're really, really useful. Stand by for some really cool things from Brian, and we're going to support each other as well. And thanks again also for your uh, your amazing time and attention. I know that uh, you've got a lot going on in this distracted world, but this stuff is important and it helps us declutter and focus on the right things. And I love, Brian, that you you don't do email. I, I'm going to try to figure out how the heck to do that. I'm working on getting a, an assistant who can handle all my email. I want to, my whole thing is what can we say no to in service to the bigger yes? That's my team Amen. for 2017. We'll swap systems ideas. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it. Train hard, stay safe, have fun, and uh, do the work day by day in every way, getting a little bit better. Hoo-yah-hey. Coach Devine out. Lock and load, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the U.T.T. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.